Hey guys, welcome to True Knows Talk. Jeff here. I don't know if y'all have heard of Anchor, but it's ran by Spotify now. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one app or on your desktop. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. And really, I mean, when hosting on Anchor, you you mean you can distribute your podcast on many platforms. Spotify, Apple, I mean, there's just tons of them, more than I have time to really explain. But the best part about it, really, everything you need is in one place, and it's free. So, guys, go to your app store, download the Anchor FM app, or go online and just put it on your desktop if you got a laptop. Now, I know Chip and Hunter, just like I am, we're ready to kick this thing off. So, y'all can give us the countdown, and we'll see y'all when the show starts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of True Knows Talk. Jeff is always joined by, I think it's this way, Hunter, Chip. Um, guys, I'm going to throw a date out there. September 10th, 2016. Y'all know what that date was? I, I don't. Unless it was, it was last the, time the Florida State. Was 2-0? It yep. was the last time we were 2-0. We just beat Charleston Southern 52-8. to That was also the game I referenced earlier a couple shows back. That's the game we lost Derwin James in with that knee injury that year. Um, but now, you know, the Knowles are 2-0, defeating, you know, the LSU Tigers, national stage. Really, I mean, 24-23 victory, nail-biter. I mean, we want to start with uh, Chip first, you know, what you you know, just watching the games, not a breakdown right now, just watching the game. How exciting was that game to you? It was, it was very exciting. Um, I love the fact that Norvell, um, he 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 went for the he was he went for the kill. Now whether it was it was anything any of us would have done as coaches, you know, I think for the most part, us two we would have probably went for the points. But uh, he tried to uh, – I believe he tried to set the pace and show that he had confidence in his team. Um, the fact that Seminole fans took over New Orleans, that's basically all you need to say. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, there, was, one Seminole, there was one Seminole fan that took over New Orleans. And uh, that'd be old, old Hunter Richmond right there. He was down there getting him an old hand grenade, which I seen. I didn't see a picture of you with one. I don't think. I, I know I seen your brother-in-law oh, and your wife with one. Oh, did you? Oh, I have one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did you see the thing? One one hand grenade, two hand grenade, and it went down the steps to about five of them. And it said, I can't remember what it was. It's like no more or whatever. Yeah, I saw the signs that said that so, the, uh, the, you know, the hand grenade was the, 
the most potent drink in New Orleans. And it's one of those ones when you taste it, you're like, yeah. there's no way, but you drink a couple of them, you could probably you could probably bring that to life. Hunter, did you hit oh, up yeah, they're, they're... you were there? Did I hit up what? I'm sorry. Did you hit up Pat O'Brien's while you were there? No, I didn't. No. Well, I mean, Hunter, how was it there, though? I mean, how was the how was the atmosphere? It's all right. It's all right. No, I'm kidding. It was probably the uh, the best atmosphere I've been in. You know, people on Twitter and and I can confirm this. You know, like you said a minute ago, we we took over New Orleans. Um, the fans from LSU who had anything sarcastic or smart to say was very few and far between. Um, but overall, it was a real good environment. Most of the fans was very pleasant. Um, but, you know, like I, I put on Facebook and stuff and Twitter, you know, when we first walked into Harris, the casino there, we got to the casino floor. We're just walking around looking. And all you hear is the war chant ringing from one side of the casino to the other. And that's on Friday night. I said, yep, we're here. And then Saturday, you know, we went to, to the French Quarter and we went down Bourbon Street and people was on the balconies. They were doing the war chant, you know, the, the Florida State chant. Uh, everyone was saying FSU, FSU. You know, LSU fans were there, but they were being pretty quiet. And then we made it to the Superdome and it's like, okay, we're here. And, you know, we sat on the away side and, of course, LSU's on the other side and we could hear how loud they was. And I asked my wife, I said, how much louder do you think that we are? And I know you guys sitting at the house you can confirm that we were far louder than LSU. Um, it was probably the the best game day atmosphere I've been in. You know, I've, I went to 2013 Miami. That was impressive. Notre Dame last year, but nothing holds a candle to LSU. And you could see that the players were buying in, you know, just to what the fans were offering. You know, they were on the field. They were doing the tomahawk chalk. They were dancing to the band. You know, they were having a good time. But ultimately, you know, they were still there for business, too. So I told my wife, Courtney, I said, I really hope we win this ball game." I said, because if not, it's going to be a long drive back to Tallahassee. And it was for other reasons, you know, flat tire on I-10 on a bridge, 18-wheelers just rolling by you 75 miles an hour. But I digress. It was a, it was a great weekend. You know, it was a great weekend to be a no. It was a great weekend to be a fan of the program. It was a great weekend for Coach Norvell and the team. And I'm excited for Orlando next year because when they come to our home turf, it's just going to be that much better. Yeah, I don't think next year, you know, in Orlando it's going to be a 50-50 split like they said it was in New Orleans. No, I mean, I, I never it's expected us to travel that well. But, it, I mean, when I tell you it was a 50-50 split, I mean, it was whenever all the LSU fans cleared out when Coach Norvell was getting a trophy – Half that stadium was full. It took us 20 minutes to get on the escalator from the away side. Mm. Yeah. I mean, but honestly, you, you mentioned it was the best game day atmosphere. I'm just going to throw this out there. Say Florida State-Clemson this year is the battle of two undefeateds. You think that atmosphere is going to be better than New Orleans? And see, that that's hard to, that's hard to say. I mean, because – when Clemson comes to town, you know, it'll probably be like a 70-30 split of fans. So, obviously, for Noel fans, it'd be better. Um, but I will say this much. I'm glad I have season tickets this year because if we're both undefeated going to that ball game, I mean, you have to give your right arm just to get a ticket to that one. Yeah, and that's um, one you expect to see game day at, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we better see game day at it. Um, but, really, I mean, it was just a stellar, stellar performance, really, from uh, Jordan Travis. You know, he was – 
20 of 32, 260 yards. And honestly, in my heart, I believe if we'd have one more possession, he'd have topped 300. Um, you know, he had two touchdown passes and then one huge shot to the head from a, I mean, Hunter, me and you talked about it today. It was probably one of the, if you wanted to paint a picture of what targeting is, they now have that picture painted and blown up at the NCAA, you know, officiating headquarters on what targeting is now. Uh, yeah, Jay right. Trav also, you know, he, yeah, Jay Trav ran for 31, though. I mean, that was, I mean, what's your thoughts? I mean, Hunter, we, we talked about it, but what's your thoughts on the, on that targeting? It's just, it's one word, flagrant, you know. It was an out for blood hit. It was a cheap shot. Um, and, you know, if you go back and you you watch after that play, if one of our players did that, I'm sorry to say it, but Coach Norvell would be in their ass. I mean, that's all there is to it. You know, it, regardless of the fact that they got kicked out of the game or not, he'd been up in there. But you look at that play and you see Brian Kelly talking to the player on the sideline like I'm talking to you right now. So I'm not saying that the, the coaches called that, but they wasn't mad about it at the same time because they saw what Jordan Travis was doing. You know, I had a buddy of mine. He wasn't sold on Jordan Travis. He hasn't been these past couple of years. He's okay. He's more of a, of, a, of a rusher than a passer. You know, halfway through that game, I got a text message. All right, I'm sold on Jordan Travis now. So, you know, he, he's making the, the people who don't really believe in what he can do believe now, which is a great thing. And that was a that was a great stage for him to, you know, put on that performance and that show. And it just goes to show how tough and gritty he is. Cause you know, they did a post-game interview with him and he said, I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm sore. He said, I'm gonna fill that one tomorrow. But you know, he he stood in there for his team and he believes in what's going on in Tallahassee. And you know, he he continued on. You know, after that shot, I was like, I don't know. But you know, he got up and he he shook it off. He was fine and continued to drive. So well, he didn't continue to drive. We scored on that one, but he, uh, you know, he continued on after, you know, through the game. So, and I agree with what Miss Carroll just said. There should have been repercussions of them being out for half of a game. I 100% agree with you. Well, what what gets me on that is the the rule is that the officials can determine if the player can has to leave the sidelines, but he stayed out the whole game. You know, after that, he stayed on the sidelines. So it's like, how much more of a targeting call? How much more of a grievous targeting call can you call when I mean hands wasn't out in a tackling position he was like a missile going straight up you know trying to get underneath the face mask um on J Trav I mean Chip I mean what was your what's your thoughts on that that play that play that showed Jordan Travis's toughness to stare down that defender knowing I'm about to take a lick and the, uh, delivered a shot on a dime. Like, this was his coming out party. This was Jordan Travis on a national stage. Here I am. Dude, he's he's everything that us Seminole fans knew he that he was capable of being. And, you know, Norvell has established that confidence back in Jordan Travis, and now he's playing like it. Yeah, you know, you're right, Chip. There was an interview uh, before the game where, where Jordan Travis said, I'm as confident as I've ever been, you know. And whenever I heard that, I said, okay, this this is the one. This is, like you said, the proverbial coming out party. Um, you know, John uh, John here in the comments, he said, let's play verse more and tighten up them corners. We'll address the defense in a few minutes, but you, you have a point there that we'll talk about. But, you know, Jordan, he, 
he really showed just how tough he was. And, you know, I think a lot of that goes towards, you know, you can speak about it, Chip, the preseason and conditioning. You know, they, they focused a lot on getting him healthy and keeping him healthy because they know that if Jordan goes down, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. But it's yeah. just like, it's, I mean, it's a to see Jordan Travis from when he first, first came onto the team to now. And just like he's, he's got a swagger about him. He's, I'll take I'll take going to war with thirteen over any quarterback in the nation. Yeah, I agree with I agree with that a hundred percent. But here's my thing. Y'all go back and watch the game and just watch a game from last year. Just let's just say Notre Dame, you know, because that's really the odds on, you know, comparison with this one. And watch this one and kind of parallel them. And just pull your phone out or time it with your clock or just count on your fingers. How much time did Jordan Travis have in the pocket Sunday night compared to a year ago? In any game, really a year ago, you take even Miami or Florida, he had milliseconds in the pocket, you know, last season too. I mean, I looked up his PFF grade and it was 2.97 seconds from the time he got the snap to releasing the ball. That's almost three seconds on average. Three seconds in the pocket's a lifetime. You can go through your progressions, mm-hmm. you scamper around a little bit like J-Trav does. But you look at that, and a year ago, you know, I mean, the Miami game, it was a couple of times, you know, by the time me and Hunters mentioned it, you know, we mentioned on the show, by the time he got the ball in his hand, you know, there was a defender in his face. You know, how much, how important is it now that that offensive line is protecting for him, and we fixed that issue, you know, because those big boys up front, yeah, we're battered, we're beat, you know. Right now, we we're definitely in need of this bye week, but those big boys up front, you know, they deserve a lot of credit, especially for for this game and the way this season's going to go. I mean, I mean, I seen a video on TikTok that this guy that does a LSU podcast was was talking, and he's like, man, them. Them boys from from Tallahassee, them line years, they all look fat and sluggish and out of shape. They better not roll up into New Orleans. They ain't gonna do nothing against our defensive line. Well, they did. Jeff, that's I the mean, same guest I, I saw, and he just—I mean—talking about our offensive line had club feet that they moved slow. That that front four at LSU was gonna eat them alive. Let me tell you, hats off to the O line. Hats off to Norvell and the rest of the coaching staff for the depth they have built because that O-line, I mean, they, they went in, LSU's defense did exactly what we thought they would do. They were, they were stacking the box, forcing Jordan Travis to throw. Okay. Jordan Travis is completing passes left and right. So they lax off. Then we start, then we start hitting them with, you know, we weren't hitting them with long runs, but we were hitting them with five, six yards, five, six yards, and they would tighten back up. Yeah. RO line, hats off, fellas. Hats off. Absolutely. And you know, I gotta say myself that our offensive line, and this is you know, it's early in the season. I get it. This is the first major challenge we've had. Our offensive line has not looked like that since 2013. You know, like Jeff said, <clears throat> Jordan had almost three seconds to to go through his progressions, his reads, and get rid of the ball. And you know, there was times obviously where the offensive line didn't hold up as well, but Jordan just showed you know how elusive that he could be. And his his playmaking abilities, and uh, 
I got to give a shout out to one player. I'm not going to call him my player of the week, but I got to give a shout out to Micah Pittman. That dude threw himself in front of a 300 pound lineman and made that flea flicker pass touchdown to Pokey Wilson possible. So hats off to him. You know that he felt that one and his ears were probably ringing after that, but you know, he did his job too. So, you know, he can be in my book, the honorary offensive lineman of the week. If, if we have that title. So. Actually, you know, speaking of, of, you know, Pittman, if you, the notes that I have, he had the largest, you know, average depth of target in the game, which was at 17.4 yards. That was his depth of target. But, you know, like you said, he's not scared to put that body in front of somebody and, and, you know, give a seal block and, you know, step up when need to in pass block situations. But if, you know, if we had to, at the beginning of the game, pick one receiver that was going to lead the team in passing yards in this game and just be dominant, who would, I mean, we'll start with Chip. Chip, who do you think it would have been on the show that week that we would have picked? I mean, who would you have picked? Honestly, I would have said Johnny Wilson. I was looking for his big play ability just for the fact, pure fact he's 6'7", and he offers a big body for Jordan Travis. Yeah. What about you, Hunter? Um, I would say before the game, probably Portier just because of his, you know, his performance against Duquesne. But, you know, Johnny Wilson, Chip kind of took the, the, the main one there. But I would have said, you know, if it wasn't for Johnny Wilson, probably Portier. What about you? I mean, I think I think it's a it's a it's a it's a three way tie. I think we all would have you know agreed with Johnny Wilson, you know, because you take his side of size, six foot seven. I think the cornerback that they even had matched up on him was six foot one, you know. So even in the depth chart, if you see that, you know, the size of their DBs to him, you're thinking it's all day, you know, free for all with Johnny Wilson. But we all know, you know. When the chips are down, and I hate to, you know, sound it sound like we don't, we're not trying to show love to the transfers that come in, like you know Wilson and Pittman, and but when the chips are down, you go really to the man that's been through the Fisher era, the Taggart era, mm-hmm. and now the Norvell era, and that's Pokey Wilson. Pokey Wilson, that you know we all knew, you know Pokey could play. But the performance, 102 yards, two touchdowns, I mean, really it's his best mark of his career. Um, For him to show out on a national stage, that makes me excited because, you know, you got Pittman, uh, Johnny Wilson, Deuce Spann, you got uh, Winston Wright, you know, should be coming back here soon within the next two games. He may be back, you know, when we play Louisville. Um, but you couple that, you know, with Pokey, you know, Malik McLean, you know, he's having that little sophomore slump right now, but he'll get it back. Um, you know, another one that we ain't seen, and really we need, we kind of need to figure out where he's at, what he's doing. That's Keyshawn Helton. Mm-hmm. You know, you couple that whole receiving core together, the sky's the limit for this offense. You know, Norvell – in Memphis and uh, Arizona State when he's OC there, you know, his quarterback's threw for over 2,000 yards on an almost consistent basis. And Jordan Travis already, I think, what was 400 and 487, 480-something yards already just two games. 
And he's well on the way to that 2,000 mark in my eyes. Yeah. But um, really, I mean, you know, I wouldn't have went with Pokey, but he showed out. He did. He showed out. And that kind of surprised me because the running game was kind of lax. You know, we knew we wasn't going to have the running ability we had against Duquesne because, you know, it's like – it's like going down the freeway with nobody on the road, you know, driving down the freeway with Duquesne to bumper-to-bumper traffic with LSU. And, you know, y'all mentioned it, but we only had one 10-yard run for that whole game. And I believe – I can't remember who ran. I think it was Toa Philly or it may have been Ward that got that one. I thought it, might have, I thought it might have been Deuce on the reverse. It may have been Deuce on the reverse. But – um. Ward led the way. He topped the, the whole group of running backs with just 49 yards. So they really bottled our – you know, they come in with that, that game plan like we mentioned. It. They're going to stop our run. But you stop our run, it opens up our passing lanes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we mentioned last time. So, I mean, I was very, very happy with that. Um, Just on the offensive side, we'll hit the defensive side here in a minute. The offensive side, what – you know, it could be a play. It could be, you know, a person, a group – what stood out to y'all during the game, during that first half, or during really the whole game, we'll just say? Go ahead, Chip. I'll let you go ahead. I was actually going to let you go ahead on this one. Okay. I'll go ahead, then. That's fine. Um, so, for me, what I want to see more of offensively is, is like you said, that, that reverse, you know, with span, because they were biting, and we, we could have gained a lot of yards with that. Um, another thing I want to mention, too, is, it wasn't really in the first half, but but Brandon Farmer, he made a good point, and I can bring up a first-half thing, too. He said, what do we think about the fumble in the two-yard line? Me, personally, I would have either, you know, lined up back in that eye formation that worked. Shout-out to Freddie Stevenson. He, he wants to see eye formation again, so I'm with him on that. I would have either lined up in that eye formation that worked and handed it off to the quote-unquote fullback and let him run it in or, you know, give it to Jordan, let him try to run it in, and if all else failed, center it up for your kicker. Because that field goal on that drive that we should have had would have sealed the game up. First half for me, um, you know, it's a big game, national stage. I understand going for the jugular. But for me, the thing that I wanted to see was um, when we was fourth and goal, we should have taken the points. You know, yeah. just right there, that, that six points is left on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really think the momentum change – was that flea flicker pass that, you know, Pokey Wilson had to, had to wait on in the end zone because he ran down there too quickly. Um, that was a momentum changer for me, and that's what really, you know, got the team into it and got the crowd really into it as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Isn't it fitting? You know, and, you know, I know there's naysayers in these other groups, you know, that we see that even Norvell's 2-0, and let's fire Mike Norvell. But we're, you know, if you just joined the the stream the show, we're not saying that. But think about this: what was Bobby Bowden's things? He would throw a trick play out, you know, quicker than anything. Then you think of the thirteen national championship team. What sparked our our comeback in the national championship game? It was a reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of fitting to me, you know. Norvell is kind of in that same boat with them. You know, he's not scared to call that trick play because me in that situation, the flea flicker would have been the last play I would have drawn up, you know, 
knowing that that defensive front was actually fresh, not tired, ready to headhunt, you know, that wouldn't have been the front I call or the call I made on the play. But to well, Norvell, let me ask you this too. Balls. Yeah, let me ask you this too. You know, the whole time I was there in the Sugar Bowl, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is the field that Coach Bowden led the 1999 championship team on. It's, it's hallowed ground in my mind, which I, I read that, you know, that game was a, a sod game too. So, but it's hallowed ground in my mind. How fitting was that to run sort of a, a Bobby Bowden-esque trick play on the same field, you know, that he won the national championship on? It just, it felt right and it, it worked, you know. Yeah. So I think Bobby was there with us that night. I really do. And, you know, we all of us say we wouldn't have the balls to call that play. That was the absolute perfect play because Norvell used LSU's athleticism on that defensive line against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, also, if you go back and watch it, I can't remember if it was on the huddle or what, they showed it. And when Pokey's cutting that, that you know, that go route up the seam right there, up the, up the sideline, when they seen the the reverse going, you see that cornerback and that safety run right past Pokey. Mm-hmm. Pokey's still just trucking it. That, I mean, I agree, perfect call. You know, and there's another shout-out I'm going to say. You know, we talked about the eye formation. That's DJ Lundy. When I seen him at fullback, you know, I posted it on Twitter, tagged old Freddie Stevenson in it, you know. But that's the football I, I love, you know, is that, that power eye. Just right up the gut, just I mean, just you know what's coming, really stop just, it. Yeah, you, you know exactly what's yeah. coming at you, you stop it. Yeah, and it, and you know, you know, Miss Carroll said the flea flea flicker pass and the block was FSU's signature. Do we agree? Yes, 100 percent. 100 percent. And by the what, way, what Chip Tony Wood said, uh, happy bladed birthday and go get back in your truck. So, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> But we're going to transition real quick. I mean, you know, every week we have an impact, you know, explosive impact player of the game. So we're going to start, you know, we'll start with well, – we'll start with Hunter. Hunter, who, who was yours this week? You know, for me it was it was a very easy decision. I didn't debate on it very long. Um, personally, I'm going for Shaheem Brown, you know. He doesn't get a lot of action. He's, he's mostly on the special teams. And he stepped up in that moment – where somebody had to step up and that being a, you know, I would be willing to say a career win for Norvell was also a career win for him. You know, I'm not saying, you know, if he was able to go walk down Bourbon street that night, he'd have been treated like a King by Florida state fans. He wouldn't have bought a single drink one, but just, you know, yeah, it just goes to show that even the players who don't get a whole lot of time on the field are buying into the process and understand what's going on. So, you know, shout out to him. Definitely, uh, he was the one who who sealed that game. Because you know, I, I think I told both of you, I wouldn't have wanted to taken LSU to overtime. You know, would I think we have won? Probably, but I'd rather take the sure thing rather than you know, chancing on fifty fifty. So Shaheem Brown's my pick this week. Yeah. What about you, Chip? My pick is the senior wide receiver, Pokey Wilson. Um. You're talking about seven clutch receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. With that last touchdown being receivers got his left arm pinned from him, 
one hands it. I mean, that yeah. we, we talk that, about parties. You can't ask for a better game from your uh, your senior receiver. And, hey, Pokey, hats off, brother. You did a great, great job. You know, and, and normally, you know, we go with, like, like Miss Carroll said, Jared Verse and the special team stepped up. I mean, you know, Jared Verse, you know, just he, he showed out on the stage. But really, I'm going to show some love, really kind of throw a curveball to it. I'm going to say Wyatt Rector because if you look at it, that first muff punt, he was down there in no time, jumped under the pile. I mean, he he recovered it. He, he was under – but, I mean, we all know, you know, you're at the bottom of that pile. What's going on? You're getting eyes gouged. You're getting punched. You're getting – and then when we scored a few possessions later, you know, he was the one – he was the gunner coming down on kickoff and really stopped him, I think, at like the 11, 12-yard line on one of the kickoffs. So, I mean, I'm going to go with, you know, Wyatt Rector is mine, just showing him a little love, you know, because he, he's been with the program for a little bit, and you know, he really and showed out. Tony Woods I mean, he, he Tony Wood said that yeah. right before you, you yeah. called it, yep. Yeah. But, I mean, another thing, this, this leads me to this, you know, and I seen it on Facebook today, and I'm going to read it. I actually screenshot it. Um, this guy posted, he goes, and I'm going to ask y'all this. Why is it if you block a field goal, you can run it back for a touchdown? If you block an extra point, you can run it back for a two points. But if you recover a muff punt, you can't advance the ball. It's that a that makes no you, sense to me. You know, uh, by the way, I want to give out a shout out to, uh, to Brandon Farmer. Today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Brandon. Um, but, you know, like me and you talked off screen, if a punter drops that ball and the defense recovers, they can run it in for a touchdown. So right. why does why does the return team get such an advantage? You know, that, that's a rule that I wish would change um, because if if that would have, you know, if that would have happened, if we would have recovered that touchdown, we would have, you know, ball game's over. There, there's a lot of situations where that ball game could have been over. Um Glad I got my money's worth when it came to buying my ticket because I don't think my heart rate's been, you know, that high in a long time. But, you know, those those were the ones right there that could have went ahead and sealed the deal and we could have started celebrating a little bit sooner. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I mean, I'm with because you look at the Georgia Tech game, I think it was like – I think it was 16 where Aguayo got his, you know, the, the field goal blocked and it was a – I mean, it was a one-score game. And Georgia Tech picks it up, runs it back, and beats us. Yeah, you know if if I did, there's a lot of rules. Me and Hunter, we you know we talked earlier today. I think if you want it to be like the NFL at times, you got to have some of them plays. You know, to where if you muff a punt, we can pick it up and run it. But it's um, the same thing if a you know if a receiver fumbles it or a running back fumbles it's the same thing. I mean, why does yeah. it change? Because it's you know someone called a fair catch. He didn't catch the ball. He touched the ball and dropped it. He did. He didn't. He never caught it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, that's, that's true. They fair catch the ball. The ball is, is down because it's the same, it's the same rule rules in the NFL with the, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going you know, to highlight a comment here real quick while you're, while you're talking, Jeff, you know, you, you look at it, you know, I mean, I'm not saying against, but last year we had that issue, you know, where, where Trayshawn or somebody would muff one, 
and you know the other team you know granted they recover you know they couldn't advance you know i understand the fair catch portion of it but on some of these muffs it ain't a fair catch yeah you know he's backpedaling he just misjudges the catch but um here's the thing we're gonna hit this about five minutes you know stupid rule what are your thoughts on Controversial ruling at the end of the game. Lots of people saying that really should have. Because is she talking about? She's talking about the uh, the knee she's down. The t- yeah, Miss Carol's talking about the knee went down inside. You know, inbounds. Yeah, that right there was a Pac-12 officiating crew. That's the only thing I'm saying. Pac-12 officiating crew. That tells you everything you need to know right there. Because well, in my eyes, that game shouldn't even have been close anyway. It should have been. 35 or something to three in the fourth quarter, and Hunter could have picked his seat at the 50-yard line. Absolutely. With uh, with going back to Miss Carroll's question about you know the knee being you know the knee being down inbounds when he went out of, when he went out of bounds, you know he had got the first down, so it would have been they would they would have had to been basically on the line of scrimmage as soon as that uh, official blew the whistle to start and hiked it right then. Yeah. Oh, they gave they gave them they gave them that touchdown. Yeah, they gave them a free play. They, I mean, absolutely they gave them that touchdown. I knew when they lined up and said, okay, so this they're going to score, you know. Inevitably, you know, we're we're going to overtime. But then I, I looked at my wife before it happened, I said, What if? And she said, What if what is it? What if we block this field goal? I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but I'm not saying I heard anything at the same time because, you know, they may, they may have heard me from the nosebleeds. Just, I mean, I was yelling pretty loud that night. So, but you know, yeah. I said the same thing to uh, Denise and her daughter when we were watching the game. I said, watch this get blocked. ABC said the same thing too before it happened. Yeah. Yeah. ABC mentioned it, said that, you know, they blocked one before, which leads us to the defensive side. Jared Verse had one heck. Of a coming out party, how how was how was that kid in the F, FCS? That's all I want to know. Well, well, here's the story on that. I don't know if anybody knows this. Do you know how he got recruited to us? Did either one of y'all know that story? It was off. It was off a game film of. Uh, they were to... game. They were game prep in Syracuse, and seeing this defensive end on Albany just tearing them up. And when he said he was going into the uh, the portal, they were the first ones contacting because of that game film, just trying to game prep for the Syracuse game. They noticed this big old. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's. I'm not putting him in the same boat as JJ last year, but I see a lot of characteristics that J, that JJ and him has because you go back and watch that LSU game. He was straight up just mashing them into the backfield. You know, that offensive line, them tackles didn't have a chance with him at times. So, and dude, like that, that, that was a, got a motor versus got a motor that does not stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and he's the, he's only playing on Sundays one day. That, that's oh, on, on God's on this thing. Yeah. And, you know, you go back and you look at the, the tape from that game and you look at the plays, you slow them down. How many times was he held by a tackle, and they didn't call it? it? You know, if that tackle would have been not been getting away with those holds, he would have had four or five sacks that night. I mean, 
Yeah. He was in the backfield just as much as the daggone running backs were. He reminded well, you me mentioned of Beth- that. Go ahead, yeah. I was say he reminded me of Bethune against Duquesne. I mean, Duquesne was back there and he was calling the plays. Yeah. But you mentioned that, you know, the holding. There is a video going around. I think I got it on my phone. I posted on the group or something here in a minute where it was the last drive. It was that drive that set it up. I think it was the actual – was it the pass where he was down at the one where Verse come around the backside and that – the lineman that had him had him almost in a rear naked choke like they were in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And yeah. no call. No call whatsoever. And it's like you've got to call something. You know, there wasn't many penalties in the game anyway. But really, are y'all that blind to not have called that? Because it was – blatant right in front of the official you know yeah and then i, Hunter, I mean you had the you had the video you sent me of the um the dj lundy touchdown and i mentioned it to you that you know if you look at what was it 38 45 on our team and number five on lsu he's grabbing our guy by the face mask yanking him around in front of the head official nothing was called it was yeah. like come on and i'm gonna make a bold statement here you know jared verse said in his post-game interview, and he may have just been fired up, or he may actually – Miss Carroll talking about it right now, too. Um, he, you know, he may actually believe it, which I do, too. Jared Verse said Florida State is back. And, you know, even if we're not 100% back, I don't expect us to go win the national championship this year, you know. If the players believe that and have that mentality, they're going to play that much better. Yep. And yeah. with that being said, in my eyes – and like I said, I'll be the bad guy. I'm going to go ahead and say it right here, right now. I honestly feel that this is, and I told you this earlier, Jeff, this is going to be a very challenging year for us because we have the talent there. We have the ability and nobody wants to see FSU back. That's true. Everyone wants to I mean, keep us like in down the ground. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're not Miami. We're not saying that, uh, that we're back every year for 18 years and never won an ACC championship. You know, Florida state is a powerhouse program within the ACC. And I feel like this year, Based on what I've seen this past week, there's no reason why we can't dominate, you know, almost every opponent on the schedule. And, That's true. you know, everyone talks about the ACC refs. You know, referees have a hard job. I get that. But nobody wants to see FSU back. That's true. And speaking of Miami, you know, if their stadium situation doesn't get fixed, you know, they're just going to have to get that U-Haul. And – um we talked about that. Moving on down the road. I actually got a graphic. If that comes to fruition, it, it, that graphic's going up. Um, I made that. Um, but, yeah, J- J- Miss Carroll also mentioned, you know, he stated they were hand-picked. Everybody on his team was hand-picked by Norvell. And they're dogs. They are. And that's one thing I love about the defense. Hunter, I mentioned to you earlier today, you know, this team defensively reminds me of 13. The yeah. grit and the, the just business atmosphere of it. But – you know, you mentioned a bunch of the transfers saying FSU's back. It's one thing to be back, but there's another thing. You know, if you're going to be back and you're going to say you're back, you got to live up to that standard. We got a bye week, you know, and it's much needed because we got another offensive lineman that's out for a season, bless Harris. They said they seen him in a sling, so I'm thinking a shoulder injury, kind of like um, uh, Dix. Um, but today, Norvell was just furious. Yes. They didn't practice up to their standard. They, you know, a lot of blunders, a lot of, you know, Norvell even come out and said that, that game Sunday night should not have been that close. Yeah, he made a couple of mistakes. You know, the two, the the quick pitch at the two yard or the one yard line 
that's in every coach's back pocket at the goal line because if you run a fullback dive, you want to try to misdirection or, you know, throw them off a little bit. But you've got to come out with the same intensity and focus that you had for LSU every week now. Absolutely. You know, and in 16, we were 2-0, and and this is what scares me right now. 16, we were 2-0. and Had a bye week, went to Louisville, got our rear ends smeared. I'm talking about worst loss I think we've ever had against Louisville. Um, the good thing is we get a week off. Bad thing is Louisville has to play uh, UCF. So UCF's a tough team, and they're going to probably smear the field with Louisville. But, I mean, you think of that, you know, honestly, I'm just going to say it, you know, looking at the team right now, in y'all's eyes, are we back or is it going to take a few more games with this type of play to convince y'all? It's it's going to take it's going to take a few more games. Um, do I think we are head and shoulders better than what we've seen the last three or four years? Hundred percent, absolutely. But you know, I don't want to get that University of Miami mentality. You know that uh, you know. They win. They they beat some sister school with a blind by seventy points, and all of a sudden, <laughs> um, um, I, love, I love what I see out of our defense. You know, it, it reminds me of the days of you know Shade Tree, Kurt Carruthers, um, Derek Alexander, Peter Bowyer, where we had dogs on defense that you absolutely feared going up against that team. Um, we've got a quarterback now that has found his confidence. He had, he is what we knew he would be the minute he stepped on the field at FSU. We have four damn good running backs, pardon my language, and we have a now a super deep receiving core. It's deeper. I mean, we knew it was deep before this season, but Pokey, coming in like he did and playing like we knew he could play. And then you got Pittman who Pittman has, I think, I honestly think Pittman has brought that toughness to our receivers that, Hey, you know, this it's you know, bringing that toughness and then blocking, Hey, this is, this is a team aspect. Dude, Give me, give me three more games. We go in, we're five and zero. Oh, then I might start believing. Hey, we, we quite, quite, quite possibly be back. What about you, yeah. Hunter? I'm, I'm with Chip on that. You know, we have Louisville coming up this week, and Louisville's always been sort of a, a thorn in our side, especially after a bye week, like you mentioned. But I'm not going to make any proclamations and say that we're back until we go up a team like, you know. Uh, NC State or, or Wake Forest now that Sam Hartman's back or even Clemson, you know, Clemson, they, they covered the spread, but they didn't really, they didn't really impress me against Georgia Tech. You know, Georgia Tech was able to move the ball in and put some points up in the first half. So once we get past those games, that's when I'll have a better grip on reality, you know, to tell you, yeah, I think we're back. Do I think we're competitive this year? Absolutely. Do I think we're going to go to a good bowl game this year? For sure. You know, but to proclaim that we're 100% back like we was, you know, in years past, I can't say it yet. You know, we, we've shown the flashes of great plays and great ability, but we've also showed where we're still coachable. 
And like you said, you know, it's like these guys, they, they won a big game on the road, and now they're sort of in a slump. They're like, ah, okay, yeah, we're back. We're going to take this week off of practice. No. So, to be a fly on the wall during practice, to hear what Coach Norvell and the rest of the coaches are doing and having to say about that, I, I would love to be one. Um, do I think that he will get them ready for Louisville? 100%. You know, Louisville struggled with Syracuse. We talked about it. I don't think that Syracuse is that great this year. I think that the uh, the true test for Louisville is going to be UCF this week to kind of gauge where they're at. And I'm looking forward to that before we face them. Yeah. I mean, in my eyes, you know, in order for us to say we're back, and we're going to close with this, in order for us to say we're back, we got to take care of business. Yes, we've had two non-conference games. But before we can get to the national championship level we used to be and then the stage and the platform in my eyes, we've got to knock off really the, the heads of the table in our in our division, in our conference. And that starts with Wake Forest. You know, because Wake Forest routed us last year. That starts with Clemson. You put – and Miss Carroll said it, you know – We've got to get through October. October's a tough stretch because we got Louisville, we got uh, Boston College, we got Wake, we got NC State, we got Clemson. Um, trying to think who else. I think Syracuse is in there. Um, if we make it through October, I mean, I'd say, I'd say with one blemish, you know, because we're going to have that one game. Then I might start eyeballing, saying, "Hey, we're back," but really. We've got to get yeah, – yeah, Brandon, Georgia Tech, I, yeah, I, I'm not worried with them. Um, we got to take care of the conference play first, focus in on that, and bring that consistent game. And that's what Norvell was saying. The consistency wasn't at practice today. The intensity wasn't at practice today. And we've got to bring that week in, week out, day in, day out, just like 13 did, just like 2013 did. It was business structured. And we went in there and rolled, you know, took care of business. Same thing I see here, you know, but, you know, if you look at it, you know, there was about 17 points in that LSU games that, you know, we blundered away. So the game shouldn't have been close. But really, guys, I mean, I'm not saying it right now. You show me at the end of the year where we're going to Charlotte, even though I don't like having the ACC championship game there. But you let Florida State play in the last divisional-style ACC championship ga game against a Pitt or somebody, and let's win it, I, I'm, I would say we're back. But that's about it. But, guys, man, we appreciate y'all watching. Um, every week, weekend, week out, we're here. Um, next week, we're going to break down Louisville, um, what our thoughts are and all that. And uh, y'all have a great weekend, guys. Go Noles. Go Noles.